So if you'll keep your Bibles open, now we're going to look at chapter 5, verse 2. Five verse two. So, as much as there's an ideal picture of love in this in this book, marriage has pain, and this this book recognizes that there are moments in the book, and this is one of them, when there is pain in the marriage, when there is separation in the marriage, when there's sadness, there's conflict. They they are not together. They are not uh, lining up with each other. We sin against our spouse, we neglect our spouse, we draw, away, we draw ourselves away from our spouse. Intimacy um, uh, and closeness and conversation uh, becomes, disappears and we become more focused on other things and we, and, we, and we lose that intimacy. So the first application that I feel like um, uh, that, that we're, we're trying to draw from this, from this book today is that we need to uh, see the... the, the, the the passages of sadness in this book as a warning about what happens in the marriage li- in marriage life because of the fall, and that's something that we need to fight against, and we need to to strive towards the other texts in which they have come together, and in which they love each other, and they treat each other well, and they enjoy each other. So, my first application is restore intimacy with your spouse. If we all go through those seasons when that intimacy suffers, when we when we are not together. When we, and I'm not just talking about intercourse. I'm talking about closeness. I'm talking about the relationship, uh, the time together, and all of that. Um, restore intimacy with your spouse. Let me read uh, how this passage, in a poetic way, gives us a sense. First, the wife is not ready for the husband, and then the husband leaves the wife uh, in, in, in this scene. Listen to it. Uh, the woman says, I slept, but my heart was awake. So she's in, she's in bed. He's out somewhere. Um, Listen, my lover is knocking. Um, Open to me, he says, my sister, my darling, my love, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew. He's coming from the outdoors. My hair with the dampness of the night. She says, I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? She's saying, I'm in bed. I am, you know, it's poetic, but that's basically what she's saying. I'm, I'm tired. I've gone to bed. It's, do I have to, do I have to get up? Do I have to come to you? You know, it's, it's, it's not, she's not ready for this. She doesn't want this. Um, and then it says that the man, it says the man, my lover, thrust his hand through the latch opening. Uh, my heart began to pound for him. He's trying to get the latch to get in because she's not getting out of bed, but he, he can't reach it. I arose to open for my lover. She, her, she changes. She begins to say, no, I need to respond, but then it's too late. So they're, you see, they're missing each other. She, he's there, but she's not. And then she's there and he's not. That's what, what we're seeing. They're missing each other. There's a separation in their marriage. I arose to open for my lover. My hand dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my lover, but my lover had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but, I did, but he did not answer. So now she is striving for him, and he's not there, and he's not responding to her call. He doesn't even know where she is. He, and so this is not a historical moment. This is not a, a narrative that we're supposed to figure out what sense, does, what sense can we make of this. But it's, it, it's imagery to describe two people who are not together, who are missing each other at this moment or this season of their marriage. They're, they're not with each other. They're, there's complications. There's, there's difficulties. Um, the watchman found me, and, it, and it even, um, she even gets hurt. Um, in, in this poetic way, she gets hurt um, 
uh, as she's looking for him. As they made their rounds in the city, they beat me, they bruised me, they took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls. And then she says, as she often does, she speaks to the daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my lover, her husband, what will you tell him? Tell him I am faint with love. I am longing for him. I, I, he's gone, and I want him. Tell him if you see him, tell him. You know, tell him to come back to me. Tell him to return to me. Now, that's the end of that song there, and a new song begins, and so it's not a story, an ongoing story, but they do have these songs inserted that give a negative, a negative thing. Um, and the idea is that we, all of us, intimacy with our spouse suffers at times. There are times, sometimes it's a long time. Sometimes there's seasons of years where, when things go bad and go sour. But this is showing us that this is the case. Uh, and, this will, and this will take place. Now, the key two verses of the entire book, the high point of the entire book that bring everything, that bring everything together and, and, and uh, make, the, make us the strong point is at the very end of the book. So turn there. Chapter 8, verse 6. Not the very last verse, but the last chapter. Chapter 8, verse 6. And it's the first time that God is mentioned, Yahweh is mentioned, as well as uh, like, just like the high point of, of language about love here. It says, uh, the woman is speaking, and she says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. And a seal is something that marks ownership. So she's saying, you know, Put me as a seal on your arm. I, I own you. You belong to me. You are mine. Um, I want my seal upon your arm. I want my seal upon your heart. Um, you belong to me. Um, for love is strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave or Sheol. Uh, for love is strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. Love um, love is being held up here. This is, a, this is like wisdom literature describing love. Love is strong as death. Love, is, um, love will conquer death is the idea. Love is, is, is as strong as death. Death, we think, we think of death as, as destroying love, but, but, uh, but love goes beyond death. Love conquers, uh, conquers death itself. And of course, we're seeing glimpses of of the spiritual here as well, but even a marriage it doesn't mean we're going to be married in the future, but that we will that we will continue to love our spouse and love others in the uh, in the future beyond death. Love will continue. Love will conquer death. Uh, jealousy, by the way, that sounds like a negative thing to us. But when the way remember how they, or God is always described as jealous. Jealous means. I am exclusively devoted to you and no other. I, I, I'm jealous for you. I, I want you and I want no one else and I don't want you to have anyone else. And it's like an exclusive, an exclusive devotion. Um, it, jealousy is unyielding as the grave. And then it says this, uh, it burns like burnt blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Now, that's where Yahweh was used. And in the NIV, you miss it completely. Um, you miss it completely in, in, in the, in, in the, so let me read it from the new American standard, which makes it clear what's going on here. Um, let me find it. Where is it? Uh, here's the new American standard. Uh, it's flash loves flashes are flashes of fire, the flame of the Lord. And that's Yahweh. It says, Yah, actually the flame of Yah short for Yahweh, the Lord, the very flame of the Lord. So love is, 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 is the flame of Yahweh. It is the, um, it is, what was the, what did the New American Standard say? It is the, it, the flashes are, it's flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Love, love is the flame of the Lord. It comes from Yahweh. Love comes from, love is something that God gives us. It's something that he works in us. 
that Yahweh works in us. This powerful love that is conquers death, this powerful love that is this exclusive devotion um, is a love that comes from God. And he goes on to, to talk about it. He says, uh, uh, verse 7, if you're still with me, verse 7, flip over. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. It is a fire that burns, and you can pour all the water of the rivers and the oceans upon it, pour the sea, and it will not go out because it is, it is burning because of God. The fire comes from God himself. It is, it is the, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love comes from God. This is a work that God does, and if you have that work from God uh, within, um, it, it, the, the waters can be poured out upon it. And it will, not be, it will not be extinguished by all the things that happen in life. Um, and then lastly, he says, uh, lastly, um, uh, the, the woman's actually speaking here. Uh, lastly, she says, if one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. If a man were to give all the riches of his house for love, it would be utterly despised. In other words, it's more valuable. It's more precious to people than possessions. And by the way, Solomon is throughout this book. I don't have time to get into this, but he's actually used as a contrast to the love of these husband and wife. He's this rich one, you know, and it says like Solomon has all these, has this vineyard and he makes all this money. But she says, but I'm a, I'm a vineyard and I give my vineyard to, to my husband alone. Uh, and and, and I, don't, I don't care about Solomon's vineyard and all of his riches. Well, uh, well, here's the same idea. All the wealth of Solomon, we have love. Solomon uh, may have all that wealth, and he could, you know, but he can't, he can't buy this. He can't have this. What we have is more precious than all the possessions and all the riches of the richest people in the world. What we have is from God. Uh, it's something that God has given us. He's given us each other, and he's given us love. So, how do we restore intimacy with your spouse? You know, looking through this book, um, I'm going to say a few things. First of all, as we see that love is this flame of Yahweh, the flame of Yahweh, we must go to God to ask for this love, even the love with your spouse. Ask the Lord to, if you feel that, that, if you feel that you're estranged from your spouse, if you feel that the intimacy has died, if you feel that you're cold, you feel, ask the Lord to work on your own heart. Uh, work on your spouse's heart as well, but ask him to, to first work on your own heart and to restore that love, not just duty, but give you the, give you the desire again, awaken in you again the feelings and the, and the desire for the other one. Not, you won't turn into a, a 20-year-old honeymooner, but, you will, but, the Lord, but the Lord will still give you a love, a deeper love, a more mature love, a more powerful love than the love um, that you had many years ago. Ask the Lord to awaken that love in you and to, 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 to keep that fire burning within you and to, and, because the flame comes from God. Ask the Lord to do it. Um, give time to her when she is looking for you. As we see in this book, or he is looking for you, when you see in this book, what you see are these moments when they're not there for the other one. The one comes and the other one's not there. When the one is looking for you, give time to that one. There's times when your spouse is seeking you out and you're not ready for it, right? And I'm not talking about just intercourse here. I'm talking about anything. She, she wants to talk about something. She's got something on her mind. She just wants to be with you. He just wants to be with you. And you're missing each other. And this is the story of so many of our marriages. So much of the time, we're missing each other. Missing, 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 missing. When you see... Um, there are obligations, there's duties, there's children sometimes to take care of. But when you see the other one coming to you, seeking you out, 
Respond. Respond with your heart. Respond with your time. Respond with, uh, give this person, this other person your time. Remember the Song of Songs and remember what it looks like when two come together and enjoy each other and love each other. Ask the Lord to stir that flame of Yah within you and ask the Lord to, uh, to, to help you to give the time that you need to to your other one when he or she is looking for you. And also, go looking for him. Go looking for her. You seek the other one out as well. And hopefully, mate, how many, had, has this happened in your marriage? You've sought the other one out so many times and been rebuffed so many times. You don't do it anymore. You've just given up. Well, don't give up. Continue to seek them out. And continue to respond when they seek you out. Speak to the other person. Um, the, a, a few other obvious things in this book. They're always talking. No, notice that the man and the woman both speak. Um, speak to the other person and listen to the other person. Praise the other person. Is there a place in marriage for criticism? Like, I got something to tell you that I don't like, that I'm worried about. Sure. But man, man, it better be a very little of your really. If your relationship is criticism, for the most part, that's most of what's going on. Yeah, that ain't going to work. That's never going to work. That's going to die. That you're killing each other. If it's mostly, let's talk about what, we're, what we don't like about the other one. No, let's talk about our love. Let's follow the song of songs and let's praise each other. Let's, let's compliment each other. Let's thank each other. Let's, let's, let's stay on the positive. Let, we got to talk about sin sometimes. and We got to talk about concern sometimes. But man, don't make that the tone of your marriage. Make the tone of your marriage like the song of songs. Praise, adulation, you know, uh, admiring the other one, respecting the other one, honoring the other one, speaking that praise, speaking that thanksgiving. If your words are giving life or death, if it's mostly criticism, you're killing the other one. You're killing them. And, uh, and, and, and they need life from you. They need to hear life. And the last thing I'll say is um, how important in this book touch is, physical touch. And uh, you need that from the other person. And once again, I'm not just talking about intercourse. I'm talking about touch, just physical touch. How, we, how do we show affection as human beings to each other? How do we, one of the ways we show, one of the most important ways we show affection is we reach out and we touch. And some t- touching is not appropriate. Some touching is sinful, obviously. But between husband and wife, touching, uh, and sometimes touching isn't welcome and you have to be sensitive to that. But that's still, that's a way that you show affection. It's one way. You may say, oh, I, that doesn't mean anything. It's, it, that's empty. It means something. <laughs> We're, God made us as human beings and touch, just like sight, just like smell. This book is filled with smells, sights, tastes. Do you, God loves the five senses. <laughs> he loves the five senses. He wants you to enjoy your five senses everything that's coming at them. He gave, why did God give us, you know, all those spices that were mentioned at that one point and all those smells and all those tastes and all those, th- he, he describes her, he just starts listing things. It's like he goes to the spice rack and just like cinnamon, man, you were just like Callum. You're just like this. You're just like this. You're just like this. You're just like this. What's he saying? He's saying, man, you just set my, my senses on fire. I, I you're, I appreciate you in every way. Um, you know, I love you. You're just like all these things to me. Um, so touch is a part of that. Part of the way that you show your love, keep your connection with your spouse is touch. Okay. Now, man, how am I going to do this now? I need a third sermon because I've got one other point. The other point is this. Um, and I preached on this many times from this book, at least four or five times from this book. So maybe that's why I, was, I did the other thing first, and I'm not having time for this one. But 
I do want to leave you with this. In the Bible, Old and New Testament, marriage is a biblical is a biblical metaphor that is used in the Old and New Testament for God's relationship with his people. The husband being God and his people being the wife. And that metaphor is used so often in the Old Testament and the New Testament that when we get a book like this, all about, and God's only mentioned once, the many, many preachers have preached from it about the relationship between God. And I've already done this. I've done this many times. So once again, maybe that's why I ran out of time and I'm not going to do it again today very much. But don't forget about that. That's really important. That And the idealistic pictures of the husband and wife that are, that are just full of you know, full of love and full of desire and full of joy in each other. It's a picture of God and his church. It's a picture of Christ and his church, God and his people. Um, uh, and the negative things, um, maybe less so, but in the, in the positive things, uh, uh, it, 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 it certainly is a picture of, of the marriage uh, between uh, God and his people. What can I say about this? Let me say this. God, the keynote is desire. So here's something you can take away. If God is a husband and you are, and the church is the wife, you know what that means? God desires you. He wants you badly. He wants to be in a relationship with you. Do you believe that, really, truly believe that? Do you believe that the Father sent Jesus into the world and that Jesus came into the world and became a body, by the way, became, a, became flesh, um, and, he, and, he, and, and, and on and this planet, he was seeking out you. He desired you. He wanted you. He wanted to have a relationship. And on Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit was sent into the world, uh, and the Holy Spirit was sent to the church, and now the Holy Spirit has come into your life and to my life because the Holy Spirit came into your heart and came into your life and, and, and gave you faith in Jesus because God desired you. Do you believe that? Or do you think something like this? God loves me, but that means he puts up with me. He puts up with me. He is just, he looks over like my husband does, and he's just like, oh, oof, oof. Well, I made a commitment. I made a commitment, folks, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do right by, by her. Well, no. That's not God. He made a commitment. He's going to do right by you. And when you sin, he's going to continue to do right by you. But he wants this. He wants you. He knows what you're going to be at the end. He knows where he's taking you. He knows the perfection and the glory he's going to make of you one day. When, he, when Jesus returns, he's going to perfect you and make you all beautiful so that some of, these, some of these praises will be true of you on that day, that you will be all beautiful and all good and all of that. But he, um, but he, is, uh, but he wants you. He desires you. Do you believe that you're desired by God? Do you think your sin means you're not desired and that he's only putting up with you? And let me flip it. Do you desire God? Do you desire God? Do you desire Jesus? Like the wife in this, in this story desires God. Do you desire God? When Tim Keller, who I, I think probably a lot of you know who that is, it's a PCA pastor who's re, was retired who just died of cancer recently. Probably our most famous PCA pastor, if you don't know him, uh, from our denomination. Um, he just passed a week or two ago. One of the last prayers he prayed was this. I'm thankful for the time that God has given me, but I'm ready to see Jesus. And I can't wait to see Jesus. God, send me home. This was a man who had all the books he'd written, all the ministry he was involved in. He was done with all that. It was the end. 
He knew he was dying, and he wanted it so bad. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to be with Jesus. He, that was what he was longing for. Do you desire God? Do you want Jesus? Are you, is, are you looking forward to heaven because you want to be with Jesus? And are you looking forward to beyond heaven to Jesus' return at the end uh, to, to live in eternity with Jesus in your, in your resurrection body and his resurrection body and with the Father and the Holy Spirit as well? Do you know that the book of Revelation describes the second coming in these terms? The description of the second coming in the book of Revelation, it describes it many ways, but one of the metaphors used is a groom coming to his bride. A groom, that's the second coming. The groom coming to his bride. Do you, like the bride in the Song of Songs, long for your groom? Do you long, Christian? Do you long for God? Do you long for Jesus? Do you long to spend eternity with God, to spend eternity with Jesus? And do you long to know Jesus better, even in this life? It's not just the future, but in this life as well. Do you long to know him a bit better, to know him more than you know him now? So my last thing I'm going to say is, and I've gone way over, I'm so sorry, but I'll wrap this up. My second application is to restore intimacy with God. It was restore intimacy with your spouse, but restore intimacy with God. Some of you may be in a very cold season with God as well. You and God are missing. It's not God's fault in this case. It's your fault. Uh, and you're missing your intimacy with God. And so real quick, the same thing. Ask God for this love. Ask him to stir your heart with the flame of Yah, to, to set you ablaze with the flame of Yah, to his flame to burn a flame that is stronger than all the waters, a flame that is more precious than all the money, a flame that, uh, that is worth more than anyone can imagine, this love of God, to set your heart ablaze with, with God's love. And then spend time looking at the beauty of God. You can see the beauty of God in his creation and in his word. Spend time in his creation looking at the beauty of God and who God is. Spend time in his word and in the gospel looking at the beauty of God and the beauty of Jesus. Spend time thinking about the beauty of God and the wonder of who God is, and that will stir your heart for, your, for, your, for, for this husband, for this one who is coming for us. It'll stir your heart for him. And then give him time. Sabbath. The word Sabbath, this will be my last thought. The word Sabbath. What does the word Sabbath mean? It means rest, right? But what did it mean? Why do you rest? It, it meant take a break from all the things, all your obligations and duties to spend time with God. To spend time with God. Give him some time. Like you need to give your wife some time, your husband some time, more time probably. You need to give God time. You need to spend time with him. That's what a Sabbath is. It's resting from all the ordinary stuff. No obligations of the ordinary stuff so you can rest and be with God. And you can, um, you can be with him and you can uh, uh, enjoy him. And you can you know, see the creation. You can see the, see the word. You can pray, you can be talking to him, speaking to him, listening to him, but give him time. Um, notice two things. If your intimacy with your spouse is suffering right now, take note of that and, 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 and do something about it and seek God's help to do it. And if your intimacy with God is also, if you, if you find the idea of Jesus returning repugnant, for example, you know, that may be that, you're, that, you're, that there's a lot of things that are more important to you than, than, than God. Um, and there may be something wrong there. Or if you just find that you have no intimacy with God or, you have, or, or, or you, no desire for God like Keller describes in, in his life, spend some time with him. Begin to spend some time with God. Give him a Sabbath. 
Um, give him Sabbath. On the Lord's Day, maybe, on something, the first day of the week might be the Sabbath, but you may give him other Sabbaths as well. Maybe catch an hour here or catch an hour there. But give time to God. Let's pray.